now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strangers to the game. Adjust the listening devices and keep it live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ay, coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win, yeah. LABB, who we running with, yeah. Two, two, three, three, I'm on 10 again, yeah. State your name. Hello, and welcome to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing imagery within media and how it shapes our view of ourselves as well as other cultures and other people. Um, but first, we can get into um, just kind of our weeks and kind of how things are going and things we're looking forward to for the coming week. Um, so you go ahead and start and just really what are you looking forward to this kind of week with work and things like that? Um, as I say, pretty much every week, at least for the past several shows, <laughs> that I'm looking forward to just kind of moving forward on this project that we're working on building a new park and um, further progressing on getting to the completion of it. It's about a six months project. So we're looking to be done in the end of May, early June. And so I'm looking forward to just kind of seeing it kind of unfold and see it come together. And, um, you know, excited about that. I'm also you know, hopeful <laughs> that in the coming weeks that, you know, things will open up as far as this old COVID uh, shutdown and we'll get back to being a little more, I want to say, I don't want to say normal, but back to being able to be out and about and visiting family and friends and just uh, a lot more social interactions. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think as we're getting closer for me going back to school, um, training for meets and things like that is kind of exciting. I have some things I want to get done in terms of, you know, making uh, connections and things like that, but just excited for another week to be able to attack it. Um, with that being said, um, let's jump into this topic. I think we have a lot to discuss today. Imagery within media. Um, and when we say imagery within media, we mean our movies that we watch and that we consume in mainstream media, uh, music, uh, TV shows, you know, whether it's YouTube or, you know, any, any place we get media, that's what we're referring to when we talk about the imagery that's being portrayed. Um, I want you to start off with how you feel, because I think it's easy for us to discuss black culture because that's what we consume as well as I guess, understand the best is mm -hmm. what we are. Um, talk to me about how you believe black culture is portrayed in media and what imagery we kind of see. Well, unfortunately, I've, at least in my mind, I, I believe that black culture, black men, black people in general are, are, are often portrayed as either superhuman or subhuman, meaning that, you know, certain people like a LeBron, certain people who are, you know, just seem to be extraordinary in the field, you know, often are portrayed in this kind of superhuman, you know, idea, concept. And then you have on the, the other end of the spectrum, those who are portrayed as, you know, the dregs of the earth, you know, the mm -hmm. criminals, the, you know, people that do things that probably shouldn't be doing. And it just doesn't represent human beings and particularly black folks very well. It's very seldom in the media that I can, that I often see where we're just shown as people, everyday people, human beings living their lives in a way that everyone else lived their lives. So for me, 
I, I take, you know, I take some type of uh, resentment to that because more of us are in that middle rather than on the opposite end of the spectrum. And, you know, what that does, it, it, it shapes people's mind on who we are and how we function, even us. And when I say that, I, I say because oftentimes when you see someone, and, and we all have our biases, right? So when I see someone and they fit a certain description, I typically go to that in the back of my mind that this person is probably this, or this person probably is going back to what I saw either from an experience with them or from what I saw in the media. And those are the things that we draw on to determine who this person is until we actually get the chance to know. Them. So I think oftentimes, particularly for us, we're shown in a light that is not very positive. And many people, including ourselves, respond to us in a ways that are not very positive. Yeah. Um, it's funny because as you brought up, like kind of how a lot of times we're portrayed on op opposite ends of the spectrum, either we're superhuman and we're flying through the air, literally, you know, dunking a basketball or catching a football, or we're seen as subhuman as, you know, criminals and people trying to, you know, defame property, whatever it may be, just kind of a bad view. I think that does carry over into our, you know, everyday lives is where you see, and I, I've experienced it in my own, it's like you see other cultures, even even some to some degree black culture, they view it as, well, you have the good ones and then you have the other ones who ain't so great. And there's this huge disparity as if we're any different than any other culture. And it's funny because as I sit here and think about it, I was watching South Park like last week or something like that. And they have one black character on there and his name is Token, <laughs> which I found hilarious. But sometimes it's weird because sometimes I feel like that because I'm accepted by, I guess you could say my white friends or, you know, friends of other races because I'm viewed as, you know, one of the good ones, you know, I'm educated. I know how to, I know how to present myself. Um, but it, it kind of is a little irritating sometimes when it's like when you feel that way, you know, but I, I wanted to kind of not get this out of the way, but just discuss, because I think this is something that I see is pretty important i mean the way you view yourself and how others view you can be a huge indicator on how you're going to be treated or how you're going to perform right and so i'm guessing i'm wondering how imperative how imperative is it for us as a community to try to change the imagery we see of ourselves in media as opposed to other things we could be working on actually you know the five areas that you've talked about you know is it more important to try to gain access to capital wealth or is it more important to try to you know work on our education system first as opposed to let's try to change the view of ourselves in our, you know, mainstream media. I think it's all a part of accomplishing those five areas because for our criminal justice system, right? Yeah. Well, if I look at you and I think that this dude is going to commit a crime or he has committed a crime, it's going to be hard for me as a judge, as an attorney to go in there and with faith and say, this, this person didn't do that. Yeah. Even though the facts may state something because of the image of him, if he didn't do it, somebody looked like him did it. Uh -huh. So I think it's part and parcel of making those changes in those areas is how we view ourselves and how others view us because that's how we're going to interact with ourselves. And that's how we're gonna, others are going to interact with us based on what they think and what they believe us to be. And so if I believe you to be a solid, upstanding businessman, I'm going to do business with you. But if I think you're a thug and you're a criminal, probably going to stay away from you. Yeah. You know, so those are the things that we have to, we have to work on 
um, at the same time, you know, so that those other areas can be nurtured and happen because people are going to deal with you based on how they see you. Yeah. To get into one thing specifically, I know you in movies, you have your, your, your <laughs> views on movies. Um, I won't, you know, I'll let you talk about it in terms of how we're viewed. And there is a, there, you know, I think it's funny we look through history. It started off in movies and TV. We're not going to put, you know, black folks or black culture or any really other, any other culture than I guess you could say the controlling party on there at all. You're just not even going to be a part of this. And then they started to put us on there. Well, you're only going to be able to get these roles or, you know, we're only going to portray you in these ways. And now, you know, it's, it's a little more open, but it's there still is some of that kind of restriction on what we are allowed to see or what I guess is being made. Um, mm -hmm. Give me your view, because I know you have a pretty interesting view on that. Well, when I was in college, I took a class on it was called Black Images on the Silver Screen. And it class was about um blacks in film blacks in movies and how they're portrayed in the different characters and just the different movies and we kind of analyze them and we saw them. and one of the things uh, i don't know if you ever heard of a movie called birth of a nation yeah. by dw griffith mm -hmm. this was a movie that was you know uh filmed at the turn of the last century the 20th century um that really helped to usher in the the jim crow because of the depictions they showed black men as animal and looking to go out and rape and pillage, um, particularly with white women. And so that whole idea was imprinted in the minds of many people. And that's why when you saw at the turn of the century, uh, 20th century, where you had many riots, you had black men being lynched for, a, you know, even looking at a, a white woman, yeah. you know, when she mentioned that they looked at her, said something, then, you know, that was his life. And that was really developed and created as a result of the images that were put out due to this movie. There's other um, cartoons. I remember vividly, you know, many people, I don't know if you remember um, Bugs Bunny, but Elmer Fudd was really originally a black character. Really? Yeah. And so, and you've seen how Elmer Fudd was kind of dopey and, <laughs> you know, slow and, you know, not very intelligent. Yeah. And it was always being tricked by Bugs Bunny. But those were the characters that were put out, you know, a little black Sambo. So those were the images that we were, you know, seeing, you know, even when I was probably before I was a, a, a born. But I did get a chance to see some of those um, cartoons and some of those movies, you know, the step it, fetch it and all those type of things that didn't really show us in a very positive light. And that is what is instilled in many people's mind of who we are, because most people I wouldn't say most. There's a lot of people who have not inter had an interaction with a black person. I went to school uh, when I first left, went to school, University of Idaho. I remember talking with some individuals who said that they had never personally met a black person until they came to college. That's right. And so how do you determine what this person is if you've never interacted with them? And largely it's due to what you see in the media and the films and the movies, the music and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I know you also have a view on like what you would want to see from, I guess, the change side in terms of you want to see more movies portraying blacks, like you said, in just kind of normal life. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to see us being successful and doing things, but just also we're no different than anyone else. Give me expound on that a little bit more. Well, I think that in order to be considered and looked at as human, 
So when there is an outpour, or should I say, an outrage of things happening, like with the George Floyd, and this response, I think over the last, you know, six, you know, several months, and I think part of that happened because it just the way it happened, yeah. that people saw that, and it was just like it incensed people because there was no justification for this man's life to be taken in that way, you know, where all you had to do was pick him up if he did something, take him to jail and deal with it in that light. So I think that allowed people to have some type of compassion to see, oh, wait, this is, this ain't right. This ain't what I normally see. Mm -hmm. Typically there is a narrative that this person was doing something. And by the time it got on the camera, you know, we had to do these things. But when you see it in its totality, people were a little more, had compassion because they saw it. So I think for us is really creating movies that show us as human beings, yeah. you know, show us as, hey, these are normal individuals that go to work, they have families, they live, they love, and they want the same things out of life as most people. You know, and I think with the movies that we put in and that are, we develop, I want us to, to show those things, but I also want to show those victories because in a lot of the movies that we have, you know, there it is, you're the superhuman or the subhuman. You know, you're the criminal or this hero. What about just everyday community people being productive, being effective and changing, you know, the environment around them for the better. And so I often, you know, I often get frustrated when I watch movies because they're, a lot of them are very entertaining, but then there is those, that the ending or something happens to where it's like, man, you lost again. This guy did something that yeah. portrays you in a light that probably is not going to go over well. And it, or it reiterates what has been proposed and, and stated in the narrative um, that we've dealt with for many, many years. So for me is changing that to where those images are more positive and those images are more real yeah. uh, and personal. And then we know the bad things happen. We know that happens in every community, but let's show a little more of the good or at least have a balance, you know, in, in, the, in the movies and the music that we that we have. Yeah, it's funny because when you talk about just portraying us as normal people and showing that we're no different than any other community, that's interesting to me because when I talk to people and we talk about race relations or, you know, systemic racism or social inequities that I guess specifically, you know, when I'm talking the black community faces, they like to make it seem like it's our fault. Well, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps is the saying and, you know, work hard and you'll earn a living and you'll get out of poverty. And I think what's interesting is about that is, OK, that comes with a belief. If that's if that's what you believe is the only issue, you just got to work harder to pull yourself out of poverty. Then I think that comes with its own, you know, its own little kind of seed of racism, because mm -hmm. In order to believe that, you'd have to believe that this group is inherently less hardworking and they're not already doing that by default. You'd have, you'd have to say, well, there's no factors going against them. They're just less hardworking. And if you believe that a group of people solely based on the color of their skin is less hardworking or more or is less smart or less likely to you know, do more successful things in life, then I hate to break it to you, but that's, that's racism, you know, literally by definition. And so I think what can kind of take some of that away, hopefully, is just viewing them in media as normal. Well, these guys are human. What is what then you have to acknowledge that there are other factors at play for why they're 
you know, things are happening to them at a greater rate, why they're going to jail, why, you know, what historical factors, what going on in our society that is allowing this to happen because they're no different than me, but yet for some reason they're going through it. Um, with that, m movies and TV are, are, I guess, not new media, but they haven't been around as long as music. Mm -hmm. And music is, has, I mean, from the beginning of time, but recorded music has been around for a long time. You are older than I am. And so you have seen music. I mean, it's funny because you were kind of born at the start, I guess, of black music, not black music, but rap. I guess rap, hip hop, which is the most popular form of music in the world, you know, might I add, but is predominantly black. Talk about the impact that imagery has on our community. Well, I think I always say that hip hop rap was hijacked. Mm hmm. If you look at it from its inception, I mean, the first recorded song, um, Rapper's Delight, it was, it was a fun type of, you know, just off the wall, almost like a freestyle, yeah. where it was, you know, a party and fun and things that you do that you didn't think of it as realistic. Oh, this is just a guy, guys talking and rapping and it's fun and it was a different form of music. And as you saw that over time, you know, you had different types of, you know, uh, sounds that came out, you know, lyrically, the content and the things that they rapped about changed, you know, and it was more balanced. You know, you had the guys who talked about the fun and the party. You had the guys that were a little more conscious. You had the guys that just bragged about who I am and what I can do. And these are things that are unrealistic, but we all knew that this was just music. It was an art form. And then over time, as you got toward the guys who and it was even talked in, in that time, there was what we consider gangster rap, you know, talking about the streets and those things. But the thing was, there was a balance of all those. I would say roughly around, and where I noticed it anyway, 92 and beyond, where it became a little more closed off to other thoughts and ideas. It just became largely gangster rap or what we call reality rap to where it was like, you know, we, there's a lot more of us talking about different things and we want to hear those. And that began to create a narrative that this is what our community is. This is all it is. And so those on the outside looking in, that's what they viewed, you know, our community to be, oh, drugs, gangs, um, violence, you know, yeah. those type of things. And it really hindered the growth of rap music. I think now we're starting to see with the social media and the different platforms, you know, we're getting access to more of those artists that, you know, are more balanced and well-rounded and, and, and allowing us to hear and see that, okay, there's a lot more to this than what I've heard, you know, for the last 20, 30 years. They're, oh, rap music is bad, rap music is this, these guys, that's all they do. And it's like, well, that's what the record companies and the radio stations promoted and put out but there's always been a variety and a balance of different um, styles um, and content that, you know, was put out um, by the artists, you know, you know, since, you know, rap music became, you know, a dominant form, art form. Why do you think that is though? When we talk about other industries um, and we talk about, we, we've talked, we, you've said it multiple times, you can't ask these large corporations to help or to, you know, take away some of their earnings to, help different communities that are in need. Well, I'm saying you could ask them. Well, they, they, um, the likelihood of him doing <laughs> it is different. They don't have as much motivation. But in this particular aspect, I mean, it's like, 
with rap, I mean, the, the I guess you could say fun or more, kind of more lighthearted and less negative music that was being put out was selling just as well. What was the, I guess, motivation to put forth these images that we see today? Why did, they, why did we go down that road? For me, the only thing I can think of is it was an agenda to show this community in this light. And I think, you know, over the years and I've heard and I read about things, but I also saw the proliferation of prisons. Mm -hmm. So if they're shown and they're talking about criminal activity and this is what is being displayed and we arrest them, you know, used to be prisons were government, federal, state institutions. Now you have private prisons. So now wow. in order for me to get a return on that investment, I need people in those uh, in those beds, right? Uh -huh. So that they and in those private prisons, they were doing labor at little to no cost so that whoever they were doing it for can make bigger profits. So for me, as I sum it up, I think it was more of an agenda to create this prison population so that the prison industrial complex would grow and expand. And, you know, I could be wrong, uh -huh. but, you know, that's one of the ways that I see it, among other things, um, just being able to, the way that rap took off, it's worldwide. Mm. Imagine rappers talking about things that would move their community in the right direction and talk about building businesses, talking about, you know, taking care of your family and your parents and yeah. these type of things, your history, the world would be listening to that. Yeah. And the youth of the world would be thinking in that term. And what does that look like? We would have a different image. I mean, think about people will sag and I never really quite understood it, but that's something started in a small segment of the population, but through rap music, that is something that's done worldwide. Yeah. And people, many people probably don't even know where that came from. But those are the type of things. And so I think rap was, like I said, hijacked to serve an agenda that didn't benefit those that were rapping in that community. I think it's, it's because one thing that I think you can, you can kind of get caught up on is that seems like a, a bit of a far-fetched idea, right? On the outside looking in, like, all right, you have, you know, these record companies didn't put purposely put out music that was, you know, negative and portraying these communities in bad ways so that these kids could grow up, perpetrate these same acts and go to prison to make money for the pr prison industrial complex. And that seems really far-fetched, but in a roundabout way, I think there's a lot of factors, other factors involved and a lot of other, you know, motivating factors. But in a roundabout way, I do think that they, they, there is causation with that correlation. Um, it is something that does go hand in hand because it's not something that we haven't seen in the past from, you know, I guess you could say the powers that be. But I guess what's interesting, and you brought it up, is in my generation, in today's generation, we have endless options. We don't, to be honest, we don't listen to the radio. You know, you get in the car, nobody turns on the radio. It's who got the aux. <laughs> and what that means is who's on, you know, who's plugging in their phone to the auxiliary cord and playing their music. And with that being said, everybody can find their own music. We have Spotify, Apple Music. Anybody off the street can post a song to Apple Music or Spotify or YouTube or SoundCloud and they can talk about whatever they want. It can be whoever it is, whoever they want, and people can go out and find it. Whereas I think in your generation, that wasn't necessarily the case. Right. With that being said, 
it can kind of oversaturate the market. Whereas there's so much junk to look through. It's tough to find the good stuff. But for me, I've been able to find what I consider good music with, you know, positive messages for the most part. Um, so I think, and I'm not going to ask because I know once again, we're not asking big corporations to change their ways to help out a community because they don't have any motivation to do so. But what I think is if the onus becomes, or if we take the onus as consumers to consume what we find healthy and good for our souls and our community, then the big powers of being the companies will have a choice. Well, we can either try to supply that to them and keep al stay alive or die. You know what I mean? Because the consumers don't are not taking that in. Yeah. And largely, and I agree with that totally, um, largely what has happened over the years and I haven't been as involved or close to it as I once was when I was, you know, in LA and just around guys who were in the music, um, the music industry has changed, Yeah, you know? And so now the artist has a lot more, you know, control over what they do. And a lot of times they're not even getting record deals. Independent. They're independent because they have the platforms. And then once they get to a certain status, those record companies come then and see if they can partner with them because they see someone who's viable and that can make them a lot of money. But whereas before people were always looking for the record deal, you know, I gotta get out and you know, you had the two shorts and the masterpiece and a lot of other artists who were, you know, say, look, I'm gonna get out and hustle and sell my own music, do shows. And that's how they came up and um, were able to make money doing it in a way that they felt, you know, suited them. I'm not going to go ask you for anything. I'm going to do it myself. When I come sit down and talk with you, you know, I'm going to be able to get um, deal points and, and an agreement or a contract that's favorable to me, not something that you hand over to me and I'm supposed to accept it. I was doing it before I met you. Yeah. And so now you have to talk to me on my terms if we're going to do business. Otherwise, I go keep doing what I'm doing. So, um, so in that regard, I think we just had the artist has a lot more control and power as reaching the viewers and the audience that, you know, they're targeting. I mean, think about YouTube and you have these influencers. I mean, it always amazes me that some of the things that people sit around, I mean, I mean, uh, us, we're sitting there having a conversation and, you know, one day we may look up and have, you know, 12 million viewers that we have no idea who these people are. <laughs> they may have heard something and we may have said something that, you know, caught their attention. And now we have a, an audience, yeah. we have a market. And, you know, those are the type of things that to me, I am excited about because it allows you to take control over your own destiny to a large degree. And you, you know, depending on how good you are, you know, you can, you can make things happen Whereas in the past, it was a lot more difficult. You had to go through these corporations and institutions. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, as we kind of come to the close of this episode, that's what I want people to take away from this is we're moving into an era where you have a lot of control over your own destiny. And as such, as a collective group, we have a lot of control over our destiny as a community. And so the one thing to take away that from that is understand how important imagery is, how understand how important the images and the media that you consume affects the way you view yourself and you know you can't control what other people view and you can't control what other people consume and how they're going to view you or your community but you can definitely control how you view yourself and that's almost more powerful than how you know others view you and so we've made a conscious effort to view things that 
you know, I mean, and that doesn't mean to cut off all music. I still listen to rap music that probably ain't talking about a whole bunch of nothing, to be right. completely honest. But I also try to counterbalance that with listening to artists that I believe, you know, have a, a, a more positive message or at least a little bit more lighthearted. And, you know, it kind of puts me in a different mindset than those other artists. Yeah, um, that's the thing. What I, one of the things I look at is that we have that power and to to take control over that that like i said george floyd that video that went across the world it impacted the world mm. i mean there were protests across the world mm. but something that happened in minneapolis and typically 20 30 years ago that probably wouldn't have got out of minneapolis you right. know or maybe not out of the united states but that instantly went worldwide it was a global and so that shows the type of power that we have with this platforms and we just need to be able to use them in a way that we can um, make those changes and influence the world in a positive way, in a more effective way. So for me, I, I have my issues with some of the social media because a lot of it I can do without, <laughs> but it also is very powerful because it can affect situations, uh, dynamics instantly. You know, from China to Africa to Brazil, you know, you have these people who connect and you can see what's going on over there. They can see what's going on over here and any type of communication you can relate. You can really lead to changes on a global level um, because there's a connection and there's the ability to interact with someone um, through these platforms to see images and ideas that you may have not gotten a chance to have access to in the past. Yeah. And just to go back and reiterate to, I think the idea of what we consume and how we view ourselves being important, I, just an example, because we see it a lot is you see black folks who consume a lot of, probably not the best media, just for example, not to pick on anybody, but Medea, you know, the, the Medea movies, those that series, <laughs> I've been around since I was a, a young kid. And so I've been viewing those movies for a very long time now. And as funny as they are, you know, I think they're hilarious. Medea's a hilarious, hilarious character. I think some of the images and the, the imagery we see in movies like that, not just that one, but also kind of that same, I guess you could say archetype for movies is probably not the most positive. And what it leads to is you get, you know, other blacks that are part of the same community that look around and say, you know, black folks ain't doing nothing. You know what I mean? Or that neighborhood's no good because it's full of black folks. Yeah, black folks that don't want to live in black neighborhoods. And so it's, it's, and I, I'm not, I said almost, but now I'm saying it's more powerful how we view ourselves than how, you know, others view us. So as much as it's, we would want the media to be able to portray us in a positive light for others, we also need to do it for us. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's the message. For well, today. that's the most important. Regardless of how anybody sees you, you have to first see yourself in a light that allows you to believe in yourself, to love yourself, and to know that you are worthy of whatever that is that's out there for you. Otherwise, you won't make the effort. Otherwise, you will do things that are self-destructive yeah. because you don't believe that you're worthy of anything better. And that's been... I think a lot of our challenges over the years is us not believing in, in ourselves. I mean, you heard plenty of times where you have beautiful girls or women who look at themselves in the mirror and think they're ugly because of 
something someone told them, something that happened, or maybe them just transitioning from a you know awkward little girl to a beautiful woman. But in the back of their minds, it's that awkward little girl that they see, not the beautiful woman. Everybody looks at him and it's like, wow, he's beautiful. And they're doing all these weird things to cosmetic surgery to change their images. And it's like, why would you do that? Yeah. You know, so it really comes down to how you view yourself and what you believe about you is what really makes the difference. Um, and then I believe everyone else is going to view you largely in the way that you view yourself. Because when you walk in and you're confident and you know what you're doing and you have this positive image about you, it's hard for people to, you know, try to make you feel bad and say something that's going to break you down because they are going to probably feed on your confidence. They're going to probably feed on your energy that, okay, this, this person is about something. And I have to deal with them in that way, in a way that I have to respect them. May, not, may, may or may not like you, but they know I got to respect this person because of how they handle themselves and how they see themselves. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the message for the day. View yourself as something and you'll be something. And mm -hmm. that comes from the, the, the images from social media to TV to movies to music that you consume of people who look like you and people of your community. So take that with you and, you know, hope you hope you got something from this episode and past episodes. We appreciate you tuning in to this episode as well as all other episodes that we have out on all platforms. So um, thank you. Peace. All right, that'll wrap up today's episode. Glad we could take a moment to put you up on game. We post a new podcast every Sunday morning. Now you know. Peace.